Welcome to another edition of the You Tell Me What I Just Said podcast. I'm your host, Johnny the Outsider, along with the one, the only, the luchador kid. What's going on, everybody? And uh, this is a very, very special podcast, one that's been well in the making for probably about, I don't know, the finals started, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, two or three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, two, weeks, two or three weeks ago. And uh, so we have probably one of the biggest Bucks fans coming on this podcast to make me eat my crow, but he, <laughs> he, he earned it, his team earned it, and uh, they definitely they definitely proved me wrong, so when you're wrong, you're wrong. He is the one, the legendary Parker Hamlet. Thank you, gentlemen, for letting me stop by. Um, it, it's nice chopping up with some of my sidelines people, and you know, th- this was a couple weeks in the making, but I will say... It wasn't just you that was wrong about the Bucks. It was absolutely everybody. And I appreciate you very much so acknowledging the fact that I am a Bucks fan because as soon as we won the finals, the second the trophy was raised and Giannis started crying, I was immediately denounced in my fandom because I started following the team like late 2016, early 2017. So I guess because I didn't see Kareem or, you know, I, I don't know Jabari Parker jersey or the Ray Allen jersey, I guess I'm not a real Bucks fan. But I'll tell you one thing, it fucking feels like a real win to me and I'm fucking eating it up and I'm enjoying it. So... I also respect you for eating your crow because, like I said, it was not just you that was wrong about the Bucks. So I'm not, you're not going to die on the cross for everybody's sins, okay? <laughs> That's you. not fair. I think I think the biggest I, – I was more concerned about the starting – or supporting cast, I guess. Um, like I said in one of the other podcasts, um, basically, birds fly, fish swim, and Chris Middleton's going to Chris Middleton, and you never know what that's going to look like. And um, he had one game where Giannis was pretty sapped, you know, his energy was shot and he took off. But for the most of the series, he was either middle of the road player, I felt like. Never really made his dominance in, except the one game where Giannis really needed him to show up. And, um, you know, last game, Giannis just really sealed the deal and I think solidified himself up there in the conversation for the best in the NBA with a game like that. Um, I don't, you know, everyone's always about LeBron. I don't think. LeBron's ever had like a defining finals moment like that himself. He's had good games. He's had great games, but nothing where like he felt like he took over, you know? And so I think, I mean, go ahead. No, I mean, him leading the Cavs back, back in 2018 was like career defining moment for him. And, and to me, the, not to sound like a homer, because a homer would tell you, oh, Giannis is the best player in the NBA. The Milwaukee Bucks are the best team in the NBA. To me, this brings Giannis and the Bucks into the conversation because Everything up to this point, all, what all this culminated to was the narrative that you and a lot of people followed, which is, I don't believe in the Bucks, And that's because of guys like Chris Middleton. I mean, Milwaukee didn't build things the sexy way. I mean, they drafted Chris Middleton, what, seven, eight years ago. They've been building this thing up organically throughout a, a very long process. And there have been multiple times throughout the playoffs, especially in the last two, three years, Chris Middleton just didn't fucking show up. And, yeah. and you talk about that career-defining moment for Giannis in the finals. I thought Chris making that huge three with, like, a minute and some change left in, in, in the last game that, that that was a big moment for Chris Middleton as well, because, yeah. and I mean, you know, go back to uh, the uh, Miami heat series and, and, and throughout this playoffs, I mean, he makes that big shot to win them the game there too. So Chris Middleton 
has gone rogue in very big moments for the Milwaukee Bucks when Giannis Antetokounmpo and everybody else needed him. And, and, and for that, I certainly can't fault you there either because I'm not a big Chris Middleton guy either. I wasn't at least until up until last season because, I mean, I mean, slowly but surely he's been improving for the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the numbers don't lie. But, I mean, adding a guy like Drew Holiday certainly helps the equation as well, what he brings as a defender. To me, I mean, Drew's performance in the final game kind of scared me a little bit, you know, kind of letting Phoenix hang around there for a little while. But to me, throughout the playoffs, it's all about building an identity, right? And right. years prior, the Milwaukee Bucks, the identity of the Milwaukee Bucks was they're going to lose. They're, they're going to choke. They're going to choke. They're going to choke. They're going to choke. But their identity this year is we're down two games, but who gives a shit? We're going to play good fundamental basketball, make the adjustments, and come all the way back. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I finally – Finally deleted the fire bud picture off my phone. I got a lot of apologies to make myself as a Bucks fan. So I certainly can't fault you for being a doubter. Shit. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said us fellow Buck fans weren't doubters at some point as well. It's just nice to see us finally in that conversation. It's nice to see a team win it the right way. I mean, you know, good on Giannis yeah. for sitting there talking yeah. his shit, man. Yeah. He absolutely earned it. He had the chance to leave and he did. But no, I mean, as a small market fan base ourselves, you know, we get how hard that is to get people to come and stay when you get them. Obviously, Indiana had Paul George. Um, he obviously got out the first chance he could get. You know, yeah. we, we, we don't really attract the big name. We get role players, but not, nobody that is willing to stay and get them over that hump. And so to see Giannis stay and do the right thing and reward the franchise that, you know, got him there and to see them work on getting those pieces around him, I would say that's the difference between like the Pacers and the Bucks is you guys had a player and you build around him and got him what he wanted or what he needed. Um, you listen to him, you know, Indiana, unfortunately, we're never going to happen, man. Never going to happen at, with the ownership we have now. Um, I like bring Rick Carlisle in, but we'll see where that goes. I, you still got Pritchard or um, yeah, I think it's Pritchard that's still running that organization. And that's a nightmare, but you know, um and a big thing for me is that the Bucks did not do it the sexy way either. So, like, the way the Bucks were playing down 2-0 in the series, they just looked like they didn't have their shit together whatsoever. You know, they're dominating in the paint. But guys like Chris Middleton, and, and you know, they lose DiVincenzo for the series as well. You know, their perimeter shooting is absolutely awful. They're all just within the paint. And a lot of people expect DeAndre Aiden to come in and just absolutely ball it. Then he ends up playing worse than Clint Capella did. So, I, I mean, to me – it's it's mainly because it wasn't the sexy way. You know, we're in a league yeah. full of LeBron James. We're in a league full of Kevin Durant, Steph Curry's. And Giannis plays good fundamental basketball to the point where he's got people like James Harden in their feelings over there. So, I mean, to me, that was that was the gratification for me was that the Milwaukee Bucks made the adjustments. They made they played good fundamental basketball and they outlast everybody they played against. People can bring from the injuries. That's absolutely fine. That's every year in the NBA. You know, so, I mean, people are going to try to take it away from the Milwaukee Bucks. At the end of the day, they absolutely earned it. I, I said coming out of that Brooklyn series, whoever wins that's winning the finals. And I stuck yeah. by that. So, I mean, Atlanta Hawks were just a young team. You know, shout out to Trey Young, but Bogdanovich and a lot of people weren't healthy over there for the Atlanta Hawks. You know, I mean, credit to their coach for coming in in kind of a messy situation and turning that. I mean, I think they outlasted what a lot of people thought that they were capable of. And I think that Trey Young should be in – getting some of that Luka level hype as well. I mean, I love Luka Donovich, but at the same time, Trey Young made a name for himself. There's a lot of, uh, there's a bright future in the East, but the Bucks finally did what they should have done a couple years ago. And I'm very satisfied with it. Like I said, I'm, I was in there chucking natty lights at my house, you know, by myself, you know, I live in Southern Virginia. So I'm seeing videos of the Deer District and man, I, I definitely wish I could have been there. So next step is the Washington football team winning a Super Bowl. I, you guys, I will literally be crying. I know. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I guess we're fortunate. We've seen two Steelers Super Bowls, and it is. I guess that's the only championship I've ever seen any of my teams win. So I, you know, I understand that feeling of just you get overwhelmed. Like finally we made it. Like you feel like you went on the journey with the team, especially when you've been in the lows and, um, and then when they finally pull through, it just makes all those heartbreaks worth it. I guess. Um, Absolutely. That's what that's makes it fun being a fan. Is like if you win all the time, it's kind of. I, I always joke with my wife because she's from Chicago. Said you guys had the Bulls and then the Blacks. Blacks, uh, Blackhawks, and then the White Sox were winning, and it's like that's all you guys know is championships. <laughs> you don't know the struggle, so I'm right there with you. And you know, we I I get crap all the time. Like, how how are you a Steelers fan when you live in Indiana? So actually, oh. you're a Bucks fan in uh, oh my DC. God. Like that shit, dude. That Parker shit. was dealing with that shit all throughout the the, the summer. Like, I've been dealing with it for some bullshit three like, years on social media. Like. You're not even a real Bucks fan. How how are you not a Wizards fan? How are you not a Nationals fan? I mean, go across the board. I'm a Phillies fan in the MLB. I'm a Bucks fan in the NBA, and I'm a Washington football team fan. First of all, don't fucking tell me I'm a bandwagon if I'm a Phillies fan and a Washington football team fan. Okay, I mean it's 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 <laughs> a draining that. conversation. Yes. I always have a lot to say about stuff, but it's 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 a very draining conversation, and you gotta learn to just ignore that kind of shit, man. And just if if you know you're a fan, enjoy the moment, live through it, and you know. Another thing, I think what made it so much better is that we can all here agree in hindsight now that the media did not want the Milwaukee Bucks to win this, this no. finals. They did not. It, not even close. I mean, it was a fucking Chris Paul pageantry parade. Yo, he's finally going to get his ring. One finally. of the best point guards of all time. Oh. <laughs> and, and the media also conditioned us to want who in the finals? Uh, KD and his super team and the Clippers. That's who they wanted. We all know that's who they wanted. That's who they conditioned us to want because it's the sexy markets. Well, guess what? Wisconsin was in the finals and Phoenix was in the finals. And people want to sit there and crap on that and act like it's some boring ass matchup. But at the end of the day, people aren't going to say the viewership was up in, in a lot of different demographics. But at the end of the day, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns being in the finals is good for the NBA. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Yeah. Well, uh- it helps because I think, you know, when it was the Warriors and the Cavs, everyone just knew it was a foregone conclusion. Um, so, like, it's hard to watch a whole season of basketball knowing, like, this is the outcome unless, exactly. unfortunately, a drastic injury happens. And you never want that. But at the same time, that's the only thing that's going to save you from a finals basically written in stone. It's just hard to appreciate a season when, you know, it's all laid out like that. So, and that's yeah. a big reason, dude, why I shit on guys like Kevin Durant. Because the second he signed, put pen to paper with the Golden State Warriors, it fucked the entire power balance of the NBA up. It was a, like you said, it was a foregone conclusion. We know who was, we knew who was going to the finals every year. And then they choke. You know, KD's got his head down. He's done a lot of that this offseason. First Olympic loss since 2004. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. On yeah. There. All France. those guys are playing yeah. for the foul, too, man. It's hard to watch. Yeah. I, I will say. Shout out to the Team USA because I put fifty dollars on them for a DraftKings <laughs> bet, and they got close enough to where DraftKings let me get my money back and I could cash out with the fifty bucks because I said there's no way they're gonna hang on to this lead, so let me cash out and uh, <laughs> save every penny. Um, so shout out to them for at least getting close enough to get my money back. Yeah, somebody won today. <laughs> well, Proud did, of you, John. Much, did much better on the fights last night, but uh, but yeah, Team USA all. <sighs> It's hard to watch the Olympics this year. I think for sure, like the women team going out and getting beat three nothing, and then the American team, you know, they lost in the the playing games or not the playing, but 
basically the friendlies. And it's just like, oh, at least we got Simone Biles. At least she'll win. <laughs> right. It's about all we can hang our head on anymore. Yeah, she's the goat, man. Yeah, she's yeah, she's killing it over there. Hopefully, you know, the other gymnast gymnastic teams actually show up. So, you know, I also want to shout out that. that that guy is a dog. Oh, like the fact that he got KD and then he was guarding Booker, like any anybody that was going to pose a problem on offense, like you just put PJ Tucker on him. As long as he didn't get in foul trouble, because I know he had a couple of games with KD where that happened. Um, that foul trouble actually, in my opinion, almost cost us the series. And, yeah. you know, I, I got to give a lot of credit to Bobby Portis. I feel like he was the heart and soul of the Milwaukee Bucks to me. But to me, and this is the last thing I'll say, because I don't mean to come here and do a victory parade about the Milwaukee Bucks. But I, I got to say this. The turning point, I remember tweeting this and, you know, a lot of people gave me shit about it. The moment PJ checked KD, got in his face. And I know they're good friends off the court, but but that moment of kind of letting, you know, th- th- this is our fucking time. And you're, n- you're, you're not going to do what you like to do, period. Not Not on us. And, you know, he did the whole word dogs thing. He kind of started that. Very reminiscent of what the Eagles did. I feel like P.J. Tucker kind of set the tone of the rest of the playoffs for the Milwaukee Bucks for what he did with Kevin Durant right. during that series. So, P.J. was very instrumental and also the only one with a ring out of uh, Chris Paul and Matt Hart, uh, James Harden. So, I just want to mention that as well. I know. It's, it's funny because you're right. Everyone went to Chris Paul. But if you really think about it, Chris Paul is not that good of a – human being not really he's kind of a he's not why is kind of why was everybody so like ready to crown this dude i mean he said it himself you can you can be a fan you you can buy into the theatrics and everything but if you don't go out there and do it then none of it matters and none of it mattered none of it mattered for chris paul because i mean you know he's always been the guy that comes up short and now he does it on the grandest stage and i'm supposed to sit here and respect this dude like he's an all-timer no that that, this is when you should have taken command this is when you should have closed things out but the better player on the court did it. Yeah. Plain and simple. So before I move on to the, the heart and soul of heart and soul of this podcast, probably because I think this is going to get very feisty. We'll say. Ready. <laughs> uh, uh, what's your prediction for the Bucks next season? So so it's tough, right? Because you, you look across the NBA and you don't know where guys like Dame are going. You you don't know you hear stuff about Westbrook to, to LA, you just kind of, there's just so much turnover in the NBA and there's so many moving pieces that it's hard for us to sit here. Cause I mean, we love to crown people before they even get on the court. That, right. That's just, that's just a very common trend with NBA fans. Um, I'm just going to be Frank. It's, and you know, we're, we're going to be able to go back on this. It's, it's Easter conference finals or bust. If, if you want to, if you want to sit here and, and I'm not going to say we're going to go back to back. That, that's a very hard thing to do in all sports yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I also would be very interested to see if the Bucks are big players for any of these guys that are coming up in, in possible trade talks. I know you guys saw this, but before the draft next week, uh, there, it's being reported that Bradley Beal is looking to request a trade from the Wizards. Um, Bradley Beal is a name that's been linked to the Bucks on several occasions. Definitely a little bit of, little bit of fantasy booking. For me, you know, I, I'm friends with a lot of Wizards fans, and you know, I just it, we would do wonders if he if he was in Milwaukee. Um, I never even entertained the conversation of Dame. Um, I think Dame seeing Giannis win is probably going to make him stay even more loyal to Portland. Um, he's probably going to have a very reminiscent of what Giannis did, have a big meeting with ownership, and they're going to make a lot of moves in the offseason. So, but I mean, for Coach Bud and, and everybody after winning a title, I mean, you got to at least get back to the ECF if you want to sit here and 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 if you still want the Bucs to be a part of that conversation and not make this look like a fluke, I mean, look at the Miami Heat. They just, they just look like bubble frauds this year. I mean, they got absolutely yeah. smoked. They made Brian Forbes <laughs> look like Steph Curry. I mean, it was, 
it, it, it was crazy. So, I mean, I, I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks were a fluke this year, but to me, you, you got to get at least back to the Eastern Conference Finals for people to still take you as a serious contender for at least the next several seasons. Yeah, you guys are all your pieces pretty well locked up for next year. Oh, yeah. We got Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis under contract through 2024. So that, that's a good thing for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's for sure. Everybody else is kind of rotational. Like I said, any, anybody else beyond this point, you got your core. It's more of a luxury acquisition, if anything. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you guys were in a situation like the Hawks, who are obviously John Collins was a big piece in that that's oh, yeah. conversation. And you know, he didn't he didn't resign because he wanted to see what he was worth out in the free or out in the market. So, you know, I, I think that's obviously the biggest thing in NBA is there's so much free agency, so many people traveling in the offseason. More than any so, other league, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it, I I think with NBA it's just because everyone's trying to get that championship however they can get it so it's a lot easier you know oh yeah and the other sports it's a lot harder to just you know go join up with other players and guarantee yourself a championship um but yeah unfortunately so yeah i guess at the end of the day i'm glad you guys got your pieces locked up because i think again coming being a small market team fan ourselves like any anytime they can win it especially over these super teams like i'm i'm for it at the end of the yeah. day i mean drew holiday man you know we, we dealt with some bullshit from blood so and, you know, I, I think a lot of people were happy to see him go out of town. And a lot of people were kind of scary. You know, I, I did like the Thanos meme or I, I know I think it was a Spider-Man meme of the glasses wiping off. Show Drew and then it looked like he was turning into Bledsoe once you wipe the glasses. So, I mean, you know, Drew Holiday, in my opinion, was really the catalyst. Like I said, he didn't have a huge show out in game six. But at the end of the day, his defense is just out of this world. I mean, he set up the alley-oop to Giannis. He had a couple, you know, him on Booker one-on-one was a very important matchup throughout most of that series. And, and Drew always sticks to his assignments. Like I said, sometimes, sometimes Drew doesn't have those handles, but at the end of the day, he will lock down whoever you need him to lock down. So having him yeah. under contract, like you said, is very important. Well, like I said, best of luck to you guys the next season. Hope I'm glad to hear you guys staying together. Um, maybe the Pacers will make a smart draft or- I doubt it, but um, we always go for like that random like player that everyone's like, oh yeah, he's in the, especially going in the third round, but yeah, first round. <laughs> so we probably aren't going to give you a lot of competition next year, but at least at least Drew gets to play against his two brothers four times a year. And all the Antetokounmpo brothers have rings, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm yeah. a big fan of that. Got tired of hearing that shit. Actually, you know what? That's probably good for us because Giannis's brother won it with the Lakers by himself yeah. and then the Koopas got together and they won it so we got the two holidays and I guess yeah. it's our time to win it that's hey, awesome who knows man like you said there's so much fucking change in the NBA man it, it it's it it knocks the breath out of you sometimes all right well now now that we got the celebration out of the way it's time to uh get to why JJ really brought us together for this <laughs> uh, I'm pretty stoked JJ for this man wanted us to share a same podcast room together um it's no, so, I mean, this podcast was basically started, the name of it and everything is based on, you know, a guy making fun of uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, that's where our name comes from. So obviously we're huge wrestling fans. Um, I, I know you post all the time about it, so obviously it's got a big place in your heart. Um, for me, like I obviously grew up in the Hulk Hogan era, like it was like Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Macho Man. Um, then the Attitude Era, probably where you got your start, I would imagine, Attitude oh, sure. Monday Night War. Um, so I think that's where a lot of my, I'm, that, I'm, I'm like the old guard, I guess, when it comes to this. So Geezer, I've, tried, 
I've for tried. people watching, for the people watching, this is a Malachi Black AEW shirt. So this this is what he's he he's he's buttering us up a little bit, okay? That's where we're headed. <laughs> this is a full-on war, okay? And that's there's nothing wrong with that. The the WWE and AEW people are at odds 24-7, 365. I've gotten blocked for just expressing my opinion. But to me, John, the old guard is important. It is. And, and some of the gripes, you know, I listened to you guys' episode when you guys were talking about it. Some of your gripes are actually legitimate. I mean, I mean, they are. I mean, the women's division is a joke outside of Britt Baker. I mean, she's the only draw they have. She is. Yeah. And I blame a lot of that on Kenny Omega. I mean, you know, I mean, he tried to make Hikaru Shida a, a household name. But outside of her and Britt Baker and Nyla Rose, um, I mean, who, who do they really have? I mean, you, you look at the women's division of WWE, it's, it's fucking stacked. It, it's yeah. absolutely stacked. And one of the biggest, and this is this is what I want to start off with. I, I hate to hijack you here, but no, 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 no. one of the biggest things in the whole AEW versus WWE discussion is the simple fact of ring psychology, right? The old yeah. guard really believes in selling older moves, and then some people watch AEW on a weekly basis and say these guys are going to kill each other. They're not selling anything. What is, What is your opinion on sort of the different dynamics of the companies as far as in-ring psychology? I guess for me, so I, I was telling JJ this last week when, <laughs> so wrestling is like theater, right? And there's larger than life characters doing larger than life things. And part of wrestling for you to be a fan, you have to sort of let down like your disbelief. Like you, you got to accept that they're doing things that obviously like you would never run off the rope. So you throw that out the window and someone runs, grabs someone's arm, throw that rope, they're going to run, come back. So we'll get that out of the way right now i understand it's it's pageantry it is that's the best word that's the word i always use yeah. the problem is when you have the blade versus orange cassidy who uh, gimmicks are the biggest thing in wrestling and that's fine orange cassidy's gimmick drives me nuts <laughs> i feel the same way i feel the same way it's a, it's a gimmick oh, so, man. the psychology of it the blade comes out early in the night hits him with brass knucks right so the, in theory, what's supposed to happen is Orange Cassidy is supposed to have like head issues going into the match because he got hit with brass knocks, knocked out earlier in the night, whatever. In psychology, he's going to come out and you know he's going to put out a showing. But when someone hits a spinning Zangief tombstone pile driver <laughs> on a guy, like I, I mean, he's got the same build and everything. He's, he's one like Mohawk away from being Zangief. He had the tattoos and everything. Yeah. If he hits a spinning Zangief tombstone pile driver on a guy the size of the, that already got hit with brass knuckles, he weighs 110 pounds wet. He should not be kicking out of something like that. That's that's the story that they're missing. And then now, okay. you set me up perfect, John. I want to shout you out for that. Okay. When it comes to that conversation, suspending disbelief, right? Yeah. So you're part of the old guard. Yeah. Um, the old guard fell for shit like that. They ate it up like like cornbread. They they absolutely loved every second of it. I mean, it was it was oh my god, that, you know, it's still real to me, damn it. But in <laughs> 2021, can, can you let's just put in perspective how hard it is to suspend disbelief for wrestling fans, right? But just 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 put that in perspective a little bit, right? How hard it is to actually invest audiences in a match especially casual audience. I don't know if you guys checked out the role, the, uh, what was it? Rolling loud crowd for the Bianca Bell. Oh man. That was awful. Yeah. That was That's a casual crowd, right? Having a normal run of the mill WWE match, right? You go over to AEW, 
you got guys that are wrestling for fucking hot dogs. They aren't bodybuilders that Vince McMahon picked out of a gold gym in, in, in Florida. Shout out John Cena. Um, <laughs> so, so because of that, these guys know how to send the fans home happy. They know how to do crazy shit. And to me, that's a more entertaining product. And to me, the, the distinct difference, distinct difference between WWE and AEW, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, is the match quality, right? I at least know when I watch AEW, I'm going to get a good TV match. I at least know when I go to an AEW event, I'm going to get a good TV match. Even if there is some bullshit moments, they're going to kick out of some crazy stuff. At the end of the day, it's about suspending disbelief in, or belief in 2021, which is a very hard thing to do as wrestling. Yeah. Or just with them being storytellers. So because of that, I, that's kind of why I gravitate towards AEW just a little bit more because I really do feel like WWE just tries to monopolize a lot of talent and they really don't have plans for them. I mean, for example, guys, Karrion Cross just fucking jobbed to a drug addict on Raw. I mean, this uh, yeah. guy's being booked like the biggest monster in NXT history and goes over to get raw and gets rolled up by a guy whose theme song was cool in 2009. Yeah. Vince does not know what he's doing. There is a more congruent linear vintage, excuse me, vision in AEW. You got all these EVPs. You got Tony Khan. They are a company in their infancy. I completely understand that. And there's going to be some corny stuff. They're trying to get some of these guys over. I'm not the biggest orange cast guy in the world. I think that he did not deserve to be in the main event with um, Pac and Omega. It was a double or nothing. I just think he was out of place. I think he's over with the fans. I can understand how they're trying to get a lot of these guys over. They're trying to send home a lot of the fans happy. But the biggest issue with me and WWE isn't even just ring psychology. Because I agree with Orton on what he says about ring psychology, right? You know, guys like the Revival who are now in AEW kind of gravitate towards that same style. You got to make every move matter. You can't just be doing ridiculous shit. I agree with you on the Orange Cassie sentiment. But at the same time, suspending disbelief or belief, however the fuck you say it. I'm, I've, I've butchered that like three times now. Nah, I, I'll doing go. that yeah, in 2021 is a very hard thing to do as performers. You know? Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that, JJ? Oh, I got to stop you guys here for a second. We got to take a break here. Okay. Oh, shit. Yeah, no problem. All right. Uh, so we had to take a quick break. Um, we still got plenty left to talk about. And it's, like I said uh, before the break, this is going to be one of our spicier uh, sessions and probably probably going forward we're going to have a lot more of these uh, which we're very excited about but we'll jump into that at the end of the podcast for now we're going to jump back into psychology with uh, JJ we were asking you your take on psychology and wh- what, what it means to you in the ring okay okay so you guys know that I'm like the biggest Bret Hart fan of all time <laughs> like I love Bret everything about him his gimmick you know his look the way he works in the ring like if you guys seen a Bret Hart match or you guys have but like his storytelling in the ring is like bar none. You know, like he sets everything up. Every move is calculated. There's a reason for everything that he does. Every every like the way he moves in the ring, like the areas of the ring, what he uses. If if it's like a like WrestleMania 13, like how he used the bell, the ring bell, and he set it up to be used later. Okay, so like it takes time to build up a story. Like it, like the way he did it, like it made you invested into the match. Like everything had its purpose. And you know, that's the kind of style that I like, that I appreciate, you, you know. Um, and then when you go to AEW, the, the matches that I've seen, like, let's take, for example, um, Darby Allen. Dude, the guy is always doing some jackass skit where he's, like, on top of scaffolding or something. He's always jumping off and doing things, like, breaking his leg, sh- like, showing up, jumping out of a cracker barrel. They, like, everything that he does, it just seems like it's always, like, hurry up and go, hurry up, spot, hurry up, spot. Um, the cheap pop cheap, cheap yeah. pop. it's all it is, yeah it is. it's this a cheap is pop like, and I, shit i can even admit that yeah in like the majority of the matches that we've seen uh the young bucks and 
who was what was that match that we saw in Chicago? It was the uh, Young Bucks. It was that ladder match against Penta. Oh, with the and, uh, Lucha Brothers. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, the, yeah, think, Ray and uh, Penta. Yeah, and it was just like Frankensteiner jump off the ladder, uh, triple sockow backflip. It was just going to the next thing. So it didn't seem like there was a lot of buildup. Like you were, you get excited. But like the payoff was just. I feel like that's acceptable in tag team matches, though. I mean, let, let's just go ahead and uh, let's keep these parallels important. Keep everything right. linear. Right, okay. I think the bar is just that low in WWE for tag team wrestling. Uh, well, yeah, you're not wrong. It's piss poor. Look I mean, at their tag team champions on yeah. Raw right now. Almost, <laughs> almost in AJ Styles. No, isn't that that's no. Yeah, almost. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the fuck you say his name. He's big for no reason. He. He's Irish whipping people into corners and people, and they expect people to pop for that shit. And they're over there whooping the Viking Raiders, who are phenomenal wrestlers. In case you guys need a callback, go back to their match with Aleister Black and Ricochet in NXT. That's a little bit of a taste of what they can do. To me, it's just you have all this talent, but you're not you're not using them. Now, I just want to go back to the Bret Hart thing. He is like one of the Shakespeare's of wrestling, and everything he does that matters. The, one of the only one, one of the best comparisons or one of the best compliments I can give somebody is, is what you just said. And a, a guy that I like to use in that same conversation when it comes to wrestling nowadays in modern WWE is Randy Orton. Everything Randy does is meticulous. Everything he says is his body language. It's very slow. It, it's very methodical. And I can understand how watching AEW, you're just like, all right, these guys are doing Canadian destroyers on fucking the apron for absolutely no reason. And like, this shit's uncalled for. <laughs> but then you look over WWE, they're doing kind of some of the same shit. I mean, Bad Bunny did one, for God's sake, if we want to sit here and talk about Canadian destroyers. But like I said, I, I think that that argument is very valid in the way John said it, as far as Orange Cassidy kind of kicking out of some ridiculous shit. But didn't everybody love what Darby Allen was doing when Jeff Hardy did it? So that's the thing, though. There, there's cer- certainly a place. I mean, look, not everyone can be like you didn't look at Triple H the same way you looked at Jeff Hardy back in the Attitude Era, right? For sure. So the one thing AEW does way better than WWE is gimmicks, right? They they they're much better on the gimmicks. Like, take a look at how they treat a guy that walks around like a dinosaur versus how they treat someone like Bray Wyatt, who's had the exactly. best character work. He's had the best character work out of anyone on WWE's roster, and yet he never gets taken seriously by the upper, higher management. He's been over with the crowd numerous times, even with like the, you know the swamp swamp cult leader to the fiend when he started coming out. Um, so AEW, there's there's always a place for gimmicks in wrestling. I mean, like I said, it's theater. You need those larger. Than it's life theater, theater, but but here's what I want to discuss. Do you guys consider professional? wrestlers as athletes yeah <laughs> to do what they do yeah you have to you, I, I see mean, jj shaking his head and i, I want to know what he thinks i can I see mean, everybody to be fair almost can barely walk <laughs> yeah, around yeah almost can barely with big show i mean but he doesn't really do not to be fair big show used to do backflips well yeah before before what about andre the giant I mean, would you consider him an athlete <laughs> you know what i mean the seventh wonder of the world it was just more of a an oddity you know how many of those guys are you seeing in AEW, though? That's the thing. Vince loves big, sweaty men. That That is well documented, okay? You, you can say you're talking about Luchasaurus, but Luchasaurus can do more in ring than half these guys. I mean, yeah. the, oh, most, yeah. the most athletic big man they've had in recent memory, they completely fumbled the fucking back with him, and he gets released. Yeah. Braun Strowman should not have lost to Brock Lesnar in No Mercy 2018. Everything after that was downhill because 
You have these people. You have the ability to make new, make new superstars. We look at AEW. They're using some of these older superstars to elevate some of the younger superstars because they don't want to make the same mistakes that WWE are making. I mean, you, you have Triple H going on conference calls saying that, yeah, we've definitely lost fans over the years, and we're looking for ways to gravitate them back. Yet they're only doing things to, ca- to cater to the casual fan base. To me, it's the hardcores versus the casuals. And I think once you get, you're able to kind of get more, make more memories with AEW, you'll kind of be able to start familiarizing yourself with the good times like you can with, with, with WWE. I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. I've still got my WWE top five moments all the time. I mean, Shawn Michaels taker, um, you know, career versus streak. You got Punk at Money in the Bank 2011. I, I can keep going and going and going. I, I have plenty of memories in WWE and I will, I will always watch WWE. It always hold a special place in my heart. But at the end of the day, in AEW, they are treated as athletes. Wins and losses do matter. And I'm simply more impressed by their in-ring work than I am in what I see WWE. Like I said, you watch a TV match and these guys are, it, it's just like, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm okay. I just want you guys to think about this for a second. Our WWE main roster match is not the most predictable shit you've ever seen. I mean, how often do they actually surprise you with their outcomes? Honestly, ask yourself that. What is the last WWE match that you watched that the outcome genuinely surprised you? Where rumors ruined it or, or, or vice versa? Just, just like, it's a legitimate question. Mm, that's a, that's a legitimate question. Think of... You got us good, Parker. Well, no, I think when the Miz came out and cashed in on Drew. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what did they do with that? Yes. Yes. So here's a. I, I'm going to say this about Triple H because I think he's in the same boat most WWE fans are, is we would agree that WWE drops the ball a lot. And most of us are under the assumption that Vince is going to retire or die (laughs) because wrestling is going to be the death of him. Um, That's when WWE is going to make that leap because you see the booking on NXT, that's Triple H. But Triple H can't rock the boat and say, yeah, Vince is ruining my product because, you know, got to stay in the good graces with uh daddy warbucks over there and uh yeah and it's hard i I feel for him yeah absolutely like i said you see what he's doing in nxt you're like why can't they do that on the main roster and they go oh yeah because they're the kooky old billionaire that won't won't go away and they're still stuck in the 1980s you know here's the thing john compare nxt in ring style to main rosters in ring style are the people in NXT not doing the same exact shit they're doing in AW? I think when you see the the main, like when you saw Aleister Black on like in an actual wrestling match with someone not in NXT, you saw a wrestling match that that usually told a story. Um, you know, Finn Balor when he's going against you know like John Cena and you know legit normal size wrestlers, I guess we'll call them, not like these. You know, super athletic, parkour style wrestlers. Like you see, what a wrestling match should be. He still does. He still does like the neat stuff. So you're telling me that? On, Al- okay, hold on. I'm a fanboy, but you're telling me that, and I'm a homer. Just want to yeah. disclaimer there. Alistair Black did not have one of the best NXT champion runs, probably in recent memory. The no, way he was booked, in ring, in ring ability. I mean, the matches were graded well by Meltzer pretty much all the way through up until the end. Yeah. Well, we won't get started on Meltzer. Well, I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it was universally respected for the yeah, most yeah, part. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, dude was booked like fucking Undertaker over there. And right. he goes to the main right. roster and he's pinning Jackson Riker every two fucking weeks. Who cares? <laughs> right, right. So the thing about NXT, though, is I think 
most most of us WWE fans see that as like your G League, right? So you're gonna go over there, you're gonna have all these wild, crazy different matches. But when you get to WWE, that's when like you're doing the big boy stuff. So like NXT is fun. I enjoy it for what it is. But NXT isn't like this like face of the franchise, I guess we'll say. So you know, when like an FTR goes to AEW, that legitimizes it for me. This is a team that knows how to wrestle, tell a story, do these things, and they're gonna be put in there with flippy wrestlers. But you're probably not gonna see one of these flippy wrestlers doing, you know, ridiculous stuff to these guys because one, they're not gonna let you do that because of what they're trying to tell in the ring. So you're not gonna be seeing that with them, but you're still gonna have a really good match because they're gonna let, you know, whoever get their move off, they're gonna let them do the cool things. But at the end of the day, they're gonna keep it grounded in reality where, where it should be. Like I said, there's a, there's a place for Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy flipping off ladders through tables, you know, but, but that shouldn't be like every match. That, <laughs> yeah, that that's right. I agree, I agree but I mean, that's at the right, same time, right Jeff Hardy was doing the same. I'm not even a big Darby Allen fan. But at the same time, because I mean, I'm sorry, him rolling up a guy like Cody Rhodes is fucking ridiculous. Like Cody looks like he could be his dad. Like it's yeah. the, the size advantage thing is definitely significant and it is an important thing. But that it all buckles down to like storytelling. Like, like JJ was talking about Owen Hart going for specific limbs, being a storyteller. It, it's all about how you work the match. Right. As long as there's some re- ring psychology there, everybody's got their opinion on the Young Bucks. Everybody. Yeah. Oh, I, was a, I was uh, a very, <laughs> very big shit like – hater of the young bucks it's very well documented i was but i will say throughout most of their run through the through uh new japan especially near the end of it they became better storytellers but to me i don't think it's a matter of they don't have any in-ring psychology and they don't sell anything it's more so a matter of the tag team wrestling bar in WWE is so low because it's used as a plot device for single stars rather than two teams working as a unit trying to beat the other team. I mean, look at NXT. You, you go back, uh, I think maybe four years ago, one of the best NXT matches of all time, American Alpha versus FTR. One, one of the best wrestling tag team matches probably of all time. Had the crowd wrapped around their finger. You go back to DIY versus FTR. I agree. It's good to have that that really good ingrained, you know, Matt-style tag team wrestling team who, who sticks to the fundamentals. But at the end of the day, isn't the flippy, you know, get the audience behind you style kind of what babyface tag teams are supposed to do? Isn't that kind of what's popular? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Yeah. I mean, look, that's that's like WWE wouldn't let Alexa Bliss, for her credit, is a lot more athletic than she gets to show off in the ring. I agree with that. 100%. And when she became a heel, they said, all right, you can't jump off the top rope anymore except for your finisher. Like, that, Shinsuke that's was it. a heel. He, he, they, they fucked his whole entrance up. I mean, when he yeah. was a heel, they, they didn't want the crowd to sing. Why? Yeah. Right. Why does that shit matter? So you got when, people over. It's like they're trying to stop themselves from creating new superstars. It doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, when when you're a babyface, going back to what you're saying, like you're supposed to play up to the fans. You're supposed to get them behind you, and you know fans love that, and it's cool. But if every part of your match is just leading to the next spot, right? Like this next big like wow the fans, where even the heels are doing wow wow the fan spots, like it just becomes like this drawn out like spot fest. One one of the cool things about the attitude area is there was a lot of surprises you had you had the finishers but someone would win off like a like holy shit moment where like you'd be like i can't believe you just did that and aew like i said when he hit that tombstone pile driver last week i was like i marked out as a fan i was like that was awesome and then you know he kicks out and i'm just like oh 
And then for the rest of the match, I'm just like underwhelmed because like a spot like that, nobody would have, no one knew that move was coming. Or at least I didn't. Maybe maybe use that move more. I, I, admittedly, I'm trying to get into AEW because Monday Night Raw is such a chore for me. Worst fucking wrestling show on television, maybe in the world right now. And, and, and that's with Impact, awful. Ring of Honor. I'd rather watch the fucking Briscoe Brothers go at it, man. I, I'm just being 100% oh, honest with you. But I mean, let's talk about this for a second. Oh, one, of the, one of the best WrestleMania moments of all time, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, Triple H, gets super kicked by Shawn Michaels and then gets hit with a pedigree, kicks out. Shouldn't right. that have been in the match? Should have been, but again, with Undertaker's gimmick, he's never lost at WrestleMania, right? For sure, and yeah. He, he has that sit-up moment. So when he does that, like, you're like, okay, sweet. Like, I can't believe that just happened. I almost thought he was actually going to lose it. And then he goes off to win. You feel good, you feel good about it, right? Yeah, and I, and I can understand that. But I, here's super, my big the thing. Super, the super kick pedigree happens in almost every AEW match at some point in the middle of the match, not even at the end. It's in the middle of the match. And you're like, <laughs> when they're, when they're walking shit. out, you know? <laughs> I, still got, I still got 10 more minutes of this. That's the thing. They are popping for it. I think that people get caught up in the entire ratings thing and assume that, like, AEW fanboys don't want to hear people out. I think people expecting AEW to get the same ratings as maybe SmackDown right, right after COVID and after they still haven't really signed a bunch of, like, big names. Because, oh, I, I mean, you know how many fucking times I hear on a daily basis? Oh, they're moving too fast. You know, they're trying to get Punk and Daniel Bryan. They're just getting a bunch of former WWE guys. First of all, do you know how fucking uneducated you sound when you say something like that? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why you sound stupid when you say something like that. Do you know Brian Danielson's background? Do you know Phil Brooks's background? Where did they build themselves at? The and independence. Honor. Yeah. We are sitting here as a wrestling community glorifying a shitty, overused machine known as WWE that, that mismanages talent, that does not tell good storylines, all because we had a cool childhood with them. It's a nostalgia act. That's all it is. At the end of the day, that is all it is. We, we, we're so familiarized with it, and we grew up, you know, like an Undertaker, Kane, Rey Mysterio, all these guys that, you know, it's like we, we try to hold other companies that are trying to do the same thing to different standards. I, to me, I think what AEW is doing is a lot more – it has way more foundation than maybe what Impact was doing. I can see the similarities. I can understand, oh, well, the ratings were better for Impact, blah, 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 blah. You're smoking dick if you think that once CM Punk and Brian Danielson sign pen to paper for AW, their ratings aren't going to go up. You're 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 a moron. Okay, it's it's all about star power in 2021. WWE doesn't give a shit about signing those guys. You want to know why? They were never meant to succeed there, and that's why guys like Phil Brooks are fucking heroes amongst the IWC. Is because they were never meant to be there, even though guys like Heyman were pushing for them. Daniel Bryan got fired early throughout his tenure in WWE. I mean, look back at his matches in the Independence, man. Look back at Punk's, Punk's matches in the Independence. These guys were not built for WWE. They're way more suited for things like AEW. Guys like Omos, yeah, cool. Go have a good WWE career. Guys like Braun Strowman, who like to shit on AEW guys trying to sell T-shirts just because he's never had to do it because he was handpicked out by Vince McMahon. Cool, go have fun WWE. You're supposed to be there. John Cena, you, you talking shit to a guy like, like AJ Styles and their feud in 2016 saying, oh, I never needed to go through the Independence. That's because you couldn't have laced their fucking boots, John. That's why. You, you want to be frank? That's why you didn't wrestle anybody in the independence. And that's why Vince was so hell-bent on, on AJ Styles coming in, getting pinned by Roman Reigns, and getting pinned by John Cena. Because WWE is their own monster. They have their own cogs, and they're their own machine. I mean, what do you guys think about, you know, 
guys such as i mean it's all reports at this point but there's a lot of traction you got certain people reporting what do you guys think about guys like cm punk daniel bryan Simon with aw possibly so my my knock isn't necessarily on them necessarily signing even though you know the uh, there's a the meme going around that a w stands for all x w w but um, <laughs> i haven't seen that yet that's a good one <laughs> yeah so my thing with them citing people like this is the the problem isn't necessarily that like they're not good like cm punk wasn't my favorite but like he had a spot he had an important you know the summer punk the the pipe bomb promo you know he definitely had his moments and like you said he was big you know he got his name in the independence but the problem is when you keep bringing in these guys, you're taking away spots from your your roster, right? So if you bring in a punk, is he going to come? Oh is he, shit! Is, is he going to come in and what? You expecting punk to come in and job to um, Brian Cage or uh, well, not even Miro? That's not a good example because Miro obviously. Came I mean, because look, so the Cody Rhodes storyline, right? He fought the oh, British geez. guy, the boxer. I can't defend what Cody's booking, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You I was gonna say. There. That's like the perfect, like, you bring this guy, he's a boxer, like this, like this USA, Britain, it had all the makings that he should have put this guy over as like the next big thing. And when Cody got the win, I was like, okay, that was, that was okay. So that's my, that's my worry is like, you keep bringing in all these guys, like Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson, I guess is what he'll probably go by when he goes back. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, he's shown that he's willing to put over the younger guys. He's willing to like do what it takes to just have a good wrestling match. It's all he wants at this stage in his career. He's talked about wanting to fight in Japan against some people that he hasn't got to wrestle yet. So I'm not worried about him coming in and like stealing the shine from someone. I I honestly think he would put over anyone at this point. CM Punk, like I don't know, I don't know what his motive is. Um, He's always kind of came across as like a yeah money definitely money is definitely yeah the UFC uh, didn't pan out so he had to he had to make his money somewhere the UFC ten, tenure was a joke the man. thing I, is I rip on him all day right? for that and I and I tweeted about this today WWE is gonna want to remember you want you to remember Daniel Bryan for him getting his ass beat by the Tribal Chief on SmackDown I'm gonna remember and we're gonna talk about Roman Reigns don't think we're skipping that discussion <laughs> um when when it comes to Brian, I choose to remember him for Kofi Mania because that was Brian using his power backstage to make a new superstar. Because yeah. if Kofi Mania never happened, you think we would have ever even gotten a situation where Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston would ever be in a WWE title match at a pay-per-view? Absolutely fucking not. Guys like Brian understand the process. They understand what they need to do to get people over. And he gave Kofi Kingston probably the best moment of his fucking career. Oh, definitely. Now, with Punk, it's money. We all know it's money. But at the end of the day, Punk has always had one foot in the door still. He's just been very quiet about it. He's always been talking to people. He's he's always been having conversations with people. He has kept himself relevant. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that just want to go do a bunch of different stuff, make movies, comic books, all that, all that different stuff. And he wasn't happy in WWE because he felt like he was not being elevated after putting in the proper amount of work. I mean, you know, he, he puts on that killer match with Taker, which should have been the fucking main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. But all, all it is is Roxene and Roxene and Roxena because they're, they're the guys that WWE likes to push. The big sweaty guys who are charismatic and built like fucking action figures. Guys like CM Punk were never meant to succeed there, right? So if AEW was around at the time, Punk would have easily signed with AEW, but that just was not the case. WWE was a monopoly at the time. I think Punk is, is going to put people over. I think they're going to book him very well. I think you're, you know, you look at Christian and, and you know, we, we see you're talking about how these AEW guys aren't building new stars. Christian looked like dog shit when he first got to AEW, but we can at least say 
that they're not putting him over guys that they're trying to build in house. Like, you know, he beat he, Jungle Boy beat him in the um, what was it? The um the, the battle, the battle royale, royale they had yeah. to put himself against Kenny. So I mean it, they are that's one thing I give credit to AEW for is that they're not shitting on their homegrown stars at all. I really do feel like and I don't know if you guys know this or not. This was something that circulated on the internet. Now, now this is another reason I like AEW over WWE's booking style. Now, in AEW, you got a bunch of EVPs. You know, Cody, Kenny, Young Bucks, all of them. They, it's kind of like a creative. Uh, it's kind of like a culminative effort creatively, right? So they're always exchanging emails, talking about booking plans. You know, Kenny's got the women's division. Well, apparently, when Cody was doing this stuff with this British boxer guy, which I mean, he got buried so fucking hard, I don't remember his name. Um, apparently, when they were talking about it in the emails the rest of them let him know like that's 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 just not it that's not it that was some wwe booking i don't give a yeah. shit what anybody says that was some wwe booking oh i'm cody fucking Rhodes, and i piss red white and blue and i've got a biracial baby <laughs> oh, man. i mean it was it was absolutely like the most red white and blue star spangled bullshit i've ever seen in my life I, I, it just felt like a it felt like the biggest like, as much as he shits on WWE, that was a page straight out of the book. I mean, look back to Rusev. I'm sorry, excuse me, Miro. Miro and John Cena, when they had their uh, flag on a pole match. I mean, John Cena sounded like a bald eagle cutting a fucking promo. So, I mean, it's – I definitely understand the criticism and the worry about them not elevating these guys in AEW. But the thing is, is that if you look at AEW's power structure, right, can you tell me – from a wins and losses and storyline standpoint, is there a better heel in wrestling being booked right now as far as MJF? I, I, I really can't tell you many. He doesn't lose. He's always getting heat from the crowd. He's always in a big storyline on television. I mean, I, I can't tell you a WWE heel that's being booked like him. I just can't. MJF is the fucking super villain of AEW. And, you know, he had questionably, I don't know if you guys called it or not, one of the best title matches of John Moxley's entire reign. You know, he, he came up short. You know, they went for a cheap finish. Mox was sniffing out Death Rider 1, 2, 3. But at the same time, they are trying to get their guys over. And their guys are guys like MJF. They're guys like Adam Page, who I don't know if you guys know this or not, is over as fuck. I'm going to be a fight for the fall on this Wednesday, and I expect Cowboys shit to be deafening. I expect that place to be shaking during that main event between the Elite and, and, and you know, the Dark Order. So I understand. Completely get it. I don't, I don't want them to take away from these younger guys. JJ, what do you think about that? No, I'm on, I 100% agree with you there. Um, yeah, Adam Page is one of my favorite wrestlers that's in AEW right now. Um, I don't, but going back to the Daniel Bryan, CM Punk thing, like, yeah, like, you know, we were saying that Daniel Bryan's going to put people over, CM Punk's probably going to put people over, but like, what happens after that? Like, are they just going to be another cog in the machine? Like, like, CM Punk's literally walking back into a situation where he was giving Dwayne, you know, The Rock shit for being a part-timer like that's what you're basically doing like john was saying too like you're just going back to take somebody else's spot so i mean but punk has um, wait you said brian right brian has actually paid his dues no 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 he's saying brian's gonna come back and put people over but punk he, he's like me he questions his motives of coming back like i can definitely question punk's motives as well because when you step away for that long people are just like well what the fuck changed i i can understand that completely as far as Brian's concerned, that is probably one of the best signings they could possibly get. I mean, Daniel Bryan, his entire return to WWE, can you guys tell me like a bad feud he had outside of Big Cass? I mean, his heel <laughs> run against AJ Styles was fucking fantastic. You know, yes. his entire Planet's Champion run was absolutely fantastic. And 
Guess what? That was not Vince's idea. You, you guys need to think. You guys need to really, really, really piece it together, right? All the good things that you've seen in WWE the last five years almost have nothing to do with Vince. This SmackDown you see right now, Paul Heyman all over it. It's Heyman. It's all Paul Heyman. If Paul Heyman were to get fired tomorrow, Roman Reigns' character would go to shit in 20 minutes. Yeah, but don't Man. you think Vince McMahon has the last say in what goes on, though? I mean, he's like, gonna, yeah. okay. No, oh no, but, okay, no, okay. He's just... gonna agree with whatever gets Roman over. Right, he but, doesn't but give still, a shit. regardless, like he still has a final say in what happens, though. Like he, like there's not a lot that goes like through Vince, you know, without him knowing it. So obviously he's I gonna mean, tee off and he, be like, okay, you know, like he's gonna he's back like, that stuff. Vince is legendary for changing the script as soon as you're walking they out. Do this, like, oh, they do this. They write, they change the scripts every show the day of. I mean, yeah. it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, you, you heard some of these stories from these writers. I mean, let's just go ahead and have a conversation here as well. If this WWE machine is so is so great, I'm not, I'm not I'm saying you guys think it's perfect, but if it's such a reliable source and Vince is so good at making superstars, then why are two of the biggest superstars WWE's made in the last decade by the time of the AEW? I mean, I want you to sit here and tell me, who has WWE made a homegrown superstar in the last decade that even – can hold a fucking candle to those two guys. Who? I, I think Roman Reigns is obviously Roman Reigns. Yeah. Are you sure? I mean, okay. Seth Rollins. All right, all right, all right. I love Roman Reigns' character. Don't get it twisted. I think what they're doing with right him is fantastic. But you cannot ignore everything that happened up to this point. You can't. No, they Rollins almost butchered the character by forcing him into wins at the Rumble over Daniel Bryan, who clearly for the crowd years. was hot for. Um, for years. You know, unfortunately, that's Vince's problem. Sometimes is he gets so caught up on, I got to get this guy over. This is who I want. And he almost ruined Reigns. And then obviously, you know, Reigns had to take time off with COVID. Paul Heyman found, finally got like his way and got him over, especially since Paul was losing Brock Lesnar. So he had to have somebody. And, you know, Romans was that perfect storm where, you know, they finally gave him a worthwhile character that was the thing, suffer and sacrifice. And, oh, uh, but it's yeah. not Vince. You could say Vince has the final say, but this is Everything you're seeing on SmackDown right now is Heyman's creation. And, and this is well-documented, okay? Apollo Crews, Heyman guy. What, where is he right now? That speaks for itself. Aleister okay. Black, Heyman guy. You're right. Vince has last say. He fucking fired Aleister Black. Because Paul Heyman repackaged him and was going to push him to the fucking moon. He was playing to win the Intercontinental title. Who else is a Heyman guy? Roman fucking Reigns. And of course, because of Vince's love connection with him, he's going to agree with anything to get him over. And I would sit here and call Roman Reigns a star. But D, can you two really look me in the face and tell me that you honestly believe that once he goes back to babyface, people are going to cheer for him? Absolutely well, not. Well, I mean, well, what, what real babyface, like true babyface is getting legit cheers in this day and age? I think, I think you Daniel have to Bryan? Have... Yeah, but he went heel too. So like... It's one of those things, like, and he had the underdog story, right? So, like, he's he easy. To, he's easy to cheer for. How how are you gonna make someone like Roman Reigns, who's you know God's gift to women and like everything else in this? Who gives world? a shit about how he looks? His match at no. SummerSlam sucked. I'm I'm sorry. Look at that clinic that Edge and fucking Rain Yorton had before Edge went on the sh on the injury shelf. That was fucking absurd. That was like an AEW kind of match with all the fucking near falls and that shit. They were hitting <laughs> rock bottoms on each other. I mean it. It, it was ridiculous. Reigns is where he is, but you really think like a guy like Roman Reigns will succeed outside of WWE, honestly? I, Man. I don't see, I don't think you'd make him a babyface because 
I know. I know agree. He should have never been a babyface. I know you're saying like his looks don't matter, but when you look at a guy like that, like it's hard to like cheer for him. Like John Cena had like the clean cut all American look, so Agreed. like he's your standard babyface. Someone with the look of Roman, like he just looks like a badass. He should not be. And I've talked to JJ about this. My problem is Cody Rhodes is the way his look is. He should be a heel, hundred percent. Like and I he was. He revitalized his career in the independence once he got fired from WWE. I mean, he, yeah, he, he went to the Indies with the, it was flipping people off of ROH shows, getting police escorts. He was the biggest fucking heel in the business. But they're on their little PR tour, and Cody's trying to make it on TV shows. If you think he's not going to go back to the fuck the fans thing at some point, he's this is strictly for business right now. I agree. Rain should have always been a heel. He's always been the the arrogant douchebag who thinks he's better than everybody else. He's finally getting to act like himself, which is, 100%. you know, art is an imitation of life or however that corny ass saying goes. So, I mean, it's <laughs> Roman is finally getting to be Roman and that's great, but that's not because of Vince McMahon. It's not. No. If Vince McMahon tried to make Roman. Oh, Roman, God. I mean, yeah. That, that, that's what he was trying to do. That, that was Vince's vision. Now, what, hold on. Orange Don't. Cassidy stole the Superman punch, though. So. Agreed, and that's corny, and that's also why I'm not a big Orange Cassidy guy. I mean, I, I understand they got to have their comedy guy. They yeah, got to yeah. they got to have a comedic relief guy. The shit with Jericho was funny, but outside of that, he's a comedic char- character. He should never win a world title, and if he does, that is a mistake. But simply put, you can bring up AEW's worst guys, but at the end of the day, even some of AEW's worst guys are more over than Roman Reigns will ever be. I mean, it's there's a reason they are having to to bring in all these heavy hitters to legitimize him do you think the fans wanted roman reigns to win at SummerSlam? fuck no they wanted edge to win mr i'm never gonna wrestle again you think that the fans mm-hmm. want cena to lose at SummerSlam? no they want him to get 17 i love what they're doing roman is the epitome of a heat magnet i mean i love it the way they're booking his character that fucking promo on saturday night me and jj i mean friday night me and jj were talking about that that's one of the best promos i think i've ever seen roman cut in his entire life because they're finally going outside the constraints of, of WWE and all this PG bullshit. And I think that we kind of get WWE's long-term success and their, and, and everything they've accomplished kind of mixed up with the fact that they have some of the best corporate connections in the pro wrestling business. They're not going anywhere because they're, they're on the payroll with the right people. And it's not because they're telling these super compelling stories, right? Our, our answer to, Oh, well, who's the guy they gotten over the most? Oh, the guy who didn't actually start getting good fan reactions till last year. I mean, nobody gave a shit about Roman Reigns until he came back inside to wreck everyone and leave. Nobody cared. And the biggest stars that they have, they don't give a shit about them. I mean, Seth Rollins defeats oh, Brock Lesnar for, for, for the world heavy, for the universal title. And he becomes a joke within months, right? You had a guy like John Moxley among your graces. Yeah, you had him win the Shield Triple Threat. Yeah, you had him lead the Golden Age of SmackDown. But all he did was fucking fight Dolph Ziggler for three months, then get pinned by AJ. <laughs> I was there. Oh, I was there when facts. AJ Styles beat. Him. That's factual, man. Yeah, that was a disappointing WWE Championship run. Like, I mean, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. We'll get into that. I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. No, I'm, that, that's actually a good <laughs> conversation to segue into. Do you guys feel like John Moxley's a big fish in a little pond? I don't. I think he's completely revitalized his career. In fact, WWE made me feel as if he was lesser than he really was, and his run AEW has proved to me that he's actually capable of more than I ever thought he was. And that was when people told me, hey, fuck Dean Ambrose. Go watch some John Moxley matches. And once I did that, completely changed the way I looked at things. People, because of how well WWE is, the production is unmatched. There is no television show, I mean, no wrestling show on any 
thing in the United States of America or globally, maybe outside of New Japan, that looks as good as WWE is with the presentation, the social media, the marketing, all of that. But at the end of the day, it's just because you're the most accessible doesn't mean you're the best. Dean Ambrose to me is, or John Moxley to me is Mick Foley without anything to get behind. <laughs> like when when he when when he's only only ever brings it in these death matches, right? The only time he ever does anything there, I'm like, okay, like this is who John Moxley is. He's a death match wrestler. Mick Foley was a hardcore wrestler. Like that's who they are. That's fine. And Mick Foley, like you got behind him because even when he was mankind, he was uh, abused like poor, poor Mick Foley, mankind. And then when he became Mick Foley, the, uh, you know, button down, white shirt wearing, you know, lovable dad, like you got behind him there. <laughs> when, when I see John Moxley, I'm just like, okay, so you're the Brooklyn brawler, like dressed to the T, but like outside of like you sticking forks in people's head, like what, what do you really bring to the table that makes now, me as a fan want to like cheer for you or hate you? Okay, so my biggest thing about Moxley is that Thread is his. I think one of my exes was like a huge John Moxley fan. Yeah, she was. I mean, it, it was it was ridiculous. I was having to watch him all the time in WWE, right? And everything he said just felt so uninspired. The match quality was just so low. Everything just felt so forced. And I was like, this guy just has no personality. And then he goes on the Stone Cold podcast, gets completely fucking bashed by Stone Cold. And he says, you know, you need to grab the reins. You need to own your character. You need to take some creative liberties, which is fucking funny, which is like basically asking Moxley to change gas prices 20 years later. I mean, it's, I mean, Moxley cannot get away with the shit that Stone Cold did. Yeah. That Moxley had a, a plethora of great ideas during his time at WWE as he's revealed with a couple months after he left the company and they just kept him in a box, man. We're judging what people were doing in captivity. Th- these people are being stifled creatively and athletically, right? So you go look at John Moxley's title reign, his first title reign in AEW. He beats kind of an overweight Chris Jericho. I love Chris Jericho. love everything Chris Jericho's done for the business. But when it comes to entering ability, the guy just doesn't have it anymore. That's why his, his new finisher is him rolling his fucking elbow on somebody. That's all he can fucking do. He does a line, so it almost breaks his fucking neck. Anyway, I digress. So... <laughs> Let's say you're talking about John Moxley. His title run through at AW, absolutely fantastic. He was booked how a actual babyface champion should be. His time on the mic, he actually got over with me. He actually said some pretty funny shit. He kind of got himself over with the audience. Yeah, he is a Brooklyn baller. I definitely agree that Mick, Lo- uh, Mick Foley is definitely a more lovable babyface. I 100% under- I completely understand that. But my main point of this entire conversation and this talking point is guys like John Moxley – never got to show people what they can be because they were in a broken system. You go through all these writers, you go through all this overbooking and, and all these things where guys like John Moxley, just like the major and the minors and send the fans home happy. Yeah, he's a deathmatch guy. He completely fucking owns that, but he had some great fucking regular Matt style wrestling matches with guys like Brody Lee with guys like MJF. He had some good ma- matches throughout his side of rain. Is he a top 10 in-ring competitor across the entire world absolutely not but for what he is he's good at it but we would have never known had he not left the walls of wwe and this is gonna be a talking point for malachi black as well okay his run in nxt was absolutely fantastic and he's wrestling guys who had the same upbringing that he did he goes to the main roster and he's just the edgy guy with tattoos who kicks people in the head and they had absolutely no vision for him okay and I don't, I heard what you said about him. I heard what you said. Oh, he's just, he's just a, he's just a guy with tattoos. I mean, Jackson Riker's a guy with tattoos. That is, that was like spitting in my face almost, but it's fine. I'm going to let Malachi Black prove you wrong. I'm going to let him prove everybody wrong because at the end of the day, this guy can do everything that Kenny Omega can. 
He can't. He can do everything that name the best wrestler you can think of can do. He can't. In-ring ability, this guy is the epitome of an athlete. Some of the shit he did in NXT was absolutely ridiculous. Jackson well, Riker could do it because his tra- fucking traps would probably stop him from taking some of those bumps. Yeah, so 100%, yeah. you, 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 I just think that people, fan wrestle, uh, wrestling fans in general, really need to think outside of the walls of WWE a little bit and understand that these guys, some of these guys aren't you know, big fishes in little ponds. They just aren't getting some of the same opportunities as guys like Roman Reigns are. Yeah, no, I think AEW does a way, the biggest knock for me on WWE is that they have everything scripted to a T. You know, what made the Attitude Era so golden to us was, you know, these characters that just got to do their thing. That's what got Stone Cold over. It wasn't Vince McMahon writing his promo. Like, Vince McMahon exactly. would have never came up with Austin 3. In spite. It's all in spite of Vince. Yeah. So, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that point that, WWE scripting all these characters. So one of the most annoying things about WWE is when they had that grab the brass ring, you know, promo. Um, I forget who was talking it. Was it Triple H talking to Stone Cold or someone about people needing to grab the brass ring? Well, the WWE scripting everything, no one's allowed to break out. You know, we were talking about before Zack Ryder, you know, he got out on his own by having his YouTube show and he has this whole thing where That's everyone so got behind him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would have, should have put a rocket on him, shot him to the moon, rode that thing all the way. You know, Vince loves his money. There's your golden ticket. And, you know, they end up trying to take over and make it their thing. And eventually the luster gets lost. And now, like you said, it's awesome seeing Zack Ryder win this championship and another organization finally getting the chance to like shine because just showed he can get over. But, that's what I like about AEW. They just let the people be themselves. And, you know, I don't necessarily get into all the characters, but at least that's who they are. They get to say who they are. And if it fails, it's on them as the wrestler, not, you know, you can't say, well, they never got a shot. They got Exactly. To be- and, and to me and John, I know we're, we're kind of over our time cap here. So I'm just going to hit you with a couple pointers and, and yeah. we're going to close this baby out. So when it, when it comes to a guy that you like to bring up throughout the, most of these arguments, and I can't fault you because he should be a, a big part, part of criticism throughout his time in AEW so far as Cody Rhodes, right? Yep. Cody Rhodes, son of Dustin Rhodes. I mean, Jesus Christ. So, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I just fucking said that. <laughs> son of Dusty Rhodes. Um, he, uh, when he was in WWE, right for his release, um, big thing with him was everything that he pitched to Vince within the last six months is what he did in Independence with the American Nightmare. You know, being this just shitbag bastard heel he wanted to get he wanted to get that over so bad. Vince stopped him from doing that. So he leaves the confines of WWE and does that on the independence. But the thing is, and this is where I can understand some of the, you know, skepticism with AEW is that when you see Cody kind of imitate some of the things that WWE does, especially with that stuff he did with the boxer guy, yeah. which I still couldn't tell you his name if I tried. Um, it, it's you're, you're treading some dangerous territory there. You, you really are. And w- with all them being EVPs and having some creative input, it can definitely be a situation that can go wrong. But so far, fingers crossed, everybody over, excuse me, everybody over there seems to have their shit together. They seem to know what stories that they're going to tell. And they have not given me a reason to, to oppose them up to this point. Whereas WWE, the best story they have right now, I mean, in my opinion, if you want to talk about stars WWE has, they have two, and, and, and that's Roman Reigns and that's The Fiend, and they're shit in the bed with The Fiend right now. Yeah. So, 
Roman Reigns is like one of the hottest things in wrestling right now, and he will get his proper due props by the end of the year. But like you said, it's it's AEW's ship can sink very, very quickly. And a big reason that you're going to see a lot of these guys start going to AEW is because of what you mentioned. And it's the last thing I'll say is creative influence. That was a very, very big thing for Aleister Black, a.k.a. Tommy and a.k.a. Malachi Black, is that he had all these plans. Him and him and Bray Wyatt had all these ideas that they were pitching. They wanted to do a program together. And Vince just shot all that shit down because I guess it was just beyond his grasp where he didn't understand the vision they were trying to tell. I truly do believe, and I'll say this, this is a bold prediction. I truly do believe that just because even though Bray Wyatt has a great life in WWE, him being married to JoJo, him having some family roots, I think with Brody's death and once he sees a lot of these people in AEW start to be able to tell their own stories and get that input and all these guys are going to start coming and telling him stuff, you're going to see him over there in AEW before you know it. That I, I, I really do truly feel like that's going to happen. That creative influence is going to be a major factor in a lot of people defecting and going to AEW. So I'm all about wrestlers being able to express themselves because they are artists at the end of the day. They, they should be able to tell their story, and I'm all for people. I, I'm not one to want people to stifle their creativity. Yeah. Well, I think that's an excellent point. At the end of the day, I don't want – I want AEW to succeed at the end of the day. I know I crap on them. Um, and I don't mean to, like, point it out as, like, they're lesser than WWE or whatever. At the end of the day, they are right now, period. Well, because when wrestling was at its best is when they had competition. So Agreed. At the end of the day, the only way Vince is going to get his head out of his own ass is if AEW does give them legit competition – which they're getting up there in the ratings. So who and, won the Wednesday night war, John? Yeah. Well, who won the Wednesday night war. Well, who made NXT bounce? Listen, AW is taking those strides already. If people <laughs> want to talk about ratings. Let's talk about that. You, you can talk about them beating NXT, but that'd be like the NBA beating the WNBA in ratings right now, because <laughs> I agree, but it's definitely a step. I, it's a step. It's a step. Yeah. It's important. You think triple yeah. H was, was, was happy about having to move nights. He didn't like, want to lose that fucking fight. Period. Well, well, we all know how he feels about what the infamous promo about working. He worked uh, what night? Because I I can't remember the line. I'll I'll get it for the next one. But look, at the end of the day, competition's good for wrestling. We need it. It's the only thing that's going to get Vince to like stop doing what he's doing. Or you know, the only other thing we have to hope for, look forward to, is him retiring. Or you know. Unfortunately, the sad passing of him will be the only thing that gets his dead, cold hands off. Yeah, yeah, he died once, but he came back. <laughs> he's, he's a real dead man. Um, but I, I hope AEW, you know, does it. I like MJF, like you said. I think he's one of the best heels in the business right now with Roman Reigns. I really enjoy his work. Uh, Hangman Page, JJ got me on him. He was like, oh, you got to check this guy out. I'm like, He's right, from right. an hour away from where I live, actually. Awesome. Well. If you ever cross paths with him, let him know. He's <laughs> you're doing you're doing some good some yeah. good shit, man. Come on our podcast, by the way. Yeah, come on, yeah throw it out shoot there. the shit with us. We'll we'll, get, we'll send you some beer. <laughs> uh, but so they got some good things over there. I think I just I feel like there's room for improvement, and I you know obviously WWE is always going to be right up there with me for like what wrestling should be, but AEW is on its way, and I just have some things I'd like to see them do, but that's not to say one way or the other, that WWE is better. They've just been around longer, right? So they they have that established ground. So when they mess up, you know, they got wiggle room. AEW, I feel like they have to get this right so that they they don't lose ground that they're getting right now. But with that being said, 
Um, I want to thank Parker for coming on. We're looking forward to having more of these podcasts with him. Uh, obviously, as you can tell, we're diehard wrestling fans here. And what we don't always agree, what we do agree on is that wrestling will probably always have a place in our heart, no matter if it's WWE, AEW, or you name the next three initials to come along and take a spot in the wrestling world. But uh, thanks again, Parker, for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. You know, you guys, I remember listening to your show a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I, I think like, like you said, competition being a thing in the wrestling community is definitely a good thing. I listen to a lot of content creators throughout most of the community, like, you know, Steven Larson, what's wrong with wrestling. There's a bunch of really good people out there having really good conversations. And no matter how, what people feel about what everybody's doing right now, there's never been a better time to be a wrestling fan ever yeah. than, than, than literally right now. So I, I think competition makes absolutely everybody better in every aspect. So I, I, I very I look very much forward to seeing how they try to counter program each other, who signs who, you know, what who's the next big superstar they try to build and just follow some of these compelling narratives because there is plenty to feast on in 2021 in regards to the wrestling community. But thank you guys again. Like I said, love talking to my sidelines guys. Um, love the work you guys do when you talk about the Steelers as well. I know we'll probably be mainly be talking about wrestling, but at the end of the day, man, it's always a pleasure coming on here, chopping up with you guys. And uh, why, don't, why don't you go ahead and shout out your uh, sidelines uh, oh, okay, podcast? Cool. Um, if you guys are listening, uh, I actually have a podcast as well. I'm host of the Sidelines Washington podcast over at the Sidelines Sports Network. I'm also the head of NFL operations over there. So if you are interested in covering your favorite team for one of the fastest rising sport networks in the world, give us a follow and a direct message. You can cover your team drop of a hat got got a really good team over here ready ready to come into the season um you can find me on all social media at parker hamlet um you can find my my podcast at sidelines wft on all social media got a link tree just at 2000 followers over there i'm um, got a lot of good stuff with my co-host Rhea robinson and um, abba nebo really ready going into the season going into training camp this week as well i'm um, gonna be the friday football th- game hopefully gonna be at weeks one and two of the season so ready for the watch football season start ready for the nfl season to start so yeah, go ahead and check me out over there. All right, he's a man. He's a legend. Uh, we want to thank him again, especially for getting us in the sidelines. Uh, we're happy to be a part of that as well. So make sure you check out our Sidelines Steeler podcast. We are planning on getting some coming out soon, especially with the season getting ready to take off. Uh, we finally have more to talk about than Ben being fat. So we're getting really, really excited about uh, really digging in the meat and potatoes here. So uh, once again, Johnny the Outsider, Luchador Kid, Parker Hamlet. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya.